study on 2 Corinthians. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our ears and our minds to hear. Help us listen, Lord. Give us ears to hear, to go long, go deep, and listen at the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. I acknowledge you as our counselor, our advocate, our helper. Help us remember what the Lord, our Lord Jesus said to us, Lord. Bring us into remembrance, Lord, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for salvation. Thank you for being the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We confess our sins, Lord. Forgive us of any sin or any thought or anything that might it's not right, Lord God. We just ask, Lord God, we surrender ourselves. We neutralize ourselves, Lord. Have your way in our hearts and our minds, Lord. We just ground ourselves to your love and your power. Thy will be done, Lord. We just turn it over, Lord God, exactly the way you will have us to do. We just turn our our time over to you in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Amen and amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, NLT, New Living Translation, the, uh, the study says, uh, the scripture from 1 to 5 says, Many times when we seek to help others, we overwhelm them with a series of complicated explanations and instructions. Paul realized that doing this would only confuse the Corinthians, making them think that salvation was dependent on some kind of special wisdom or knowledge. So he brought them the plain message of the gospel. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. God has done everything necessary for our deliverance. Paul kept that message simple. As we share God's message with others, we too need to keep things simple and trust the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to work in the lives of the people we are trying to help. And there, concentrating on verse 1 through 5, and then verse 7, God has had a plan a good plan for us from the beginning of time. If we ask Him to work in our lives, that plan will come about. No matter how many mistakes we make, we have made, God can still turn things around. Hallelujah. So they work out according to His plan. Our part is to surrender our lives to Him and seek to follow His will as He reveals it to us. No matter what we have done in the past, God still loves us and can work His restoration within us. Verses uh, 2-9 to is, When we feel as if we have lost our direction, we may blame God or feel that somehow He is making things worse. Paul reminds the Corinthians that God has wonderful things planned for them. Things even more wonderful than they could imagine. This message is for us too. If we surrender our lives to God, He can build new lives for us that are beyond our wildest dreams. Let's go ahead and read that verse from 2 to to 9. Excuse me, 9 to 12. It says, that is what the scripture mean when they say, No eye have seen, no ear have heard, and no blind has imagined 
what God has prepared for those who love him. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. And his spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. Amen. No eye have seen, no ear have heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Folks, we need to wait and write down with pencil and pad out with your feet bare on the grass and wait 30 minutes a day. Ask God to to give you his preparations, his dictation. Dictate from God directly. Verse 7 says, uh, verse 7, I get a better lightning in here. These words are very small. They compact so much information. It says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times, though he made it for our benefit before the world began. Folks, there's a scripture we can memorize. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God which was hidden in the former times, though he made it for our benefit before the world began. And we all know that we have the mind of Christ, which is the wisdom of God. But we need to go a little further. We need to ask for the order for our own selves by meditating on the scripture. Lock down, lock and load, I say God, and start shooting this scripture to the heavens. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times, though he made it for the benefit before the world began. For our benefit. Amen. And then uh, scriptures 1 through 5 is, Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. It came to you in weakness, timid. I came to you in weakness and timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching was very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Amen. There it is, folks. We are in it to win it. Okay, and verses 11 and 12 says, they read, No one can know that what anyone else is really thinking except the person alone, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And God has actually given us His Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. Amen. Wouldn't you like to have a a one-hour entertainment uh, conversation with the Creator of the world? You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get out of the way. You would have to get ready, right? You would have to shine your shoes, get your clothes ready, Uh, Get plenty of sleep. Make sure you go in there well rested. You you would probably pray ahead of time. 
you know, for the time, you would be at your best. I know I would be. You know, that I have one hour. You know, we can have that every day. If we prepare and make an appointment with God and say, I'm going to sit in the grass there with, uh, with a pad and pencil and a scripture and wait on the Lord, he will start speaking to his wisdom. What a, what a deal, huh? Uh, we will release faith on that contact right on that time, right when that hour hits. Amen. Some of us may wonder how we could ever know God's will for our lives. Here we find that we can know God's mind and heart because He has placed it in His Holy Spirit within us. By communicating these things to us, only the Holy Spirit uses God's words and the Bible to communicate with us. What a privilege God's presence in our lives will guide us in the way He wants us to go. Amen. Amen. And verse uh, 14 to 15 says, But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. And uh, even our ability to see the truth is a gift from God. That is why we must begin our quest for spiritual renewal by seeking God and surrendering to Him. When we do this, we receive the Holy Spirit in turn. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals God's truth and helps us understand God's Word. The person who will not surrender to God has no access to the understanding that the only the Holy Spirit can give. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing in content first. Corinthians chapter 2. Here we go. But you know what? I'm going to do something better. I'm going to go ahead and read it in the uh, Passion Translation. Our uh, new kid on the block. I like that translation. If we can keep our thoughts, that the idea is, is to uh, enjoy the wisdom of God. Don't let me lose you. Another three, four minutes. Hang in there. Hang tough. This is good stuff. Guys, this is amazing. This is our lives. This is our benefits. Psalms 103. Praise the Lord. Bless His holy name. Oh, my soul. <clears throat> Do not forget any of His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, my soul. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Here we go. The Passion Translation. Paul relies on spiritual power. Brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For a while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic. Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with the reverence of God, trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. 
The message I preach and how I preach it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. To prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting on his almighty power. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritual mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continue to speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden from now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, Things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are many things God has in store for all his lovers. These are the many things God has in store for all his seekers, all these benefits God has for us, folks. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by his spirit. Yes, yes, yes. He has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. We constantly explore all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words, with words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truth with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illuminating of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ perceptions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you folks for listening in. Give them heaven. Have a great time. We have the mind of Christ and we have an opportunity to tap into it. And remember, your love and your patience is the mind of Christ. Be you listening all the way through right here, you have the mind of Christ. I am a journalist. I'm bringing to you the the benefits that as we ground ourselves, we will receive the love and the instructions of God. Especially if you stare at the words and just see what do they mean, how, what, where, and when, and give the opportunity for the connection to, to take hold. 
Give God the opportunity for the connection. Say hope and be ready to write. God bless you. I love you. I care for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us eyes to hear, ears to hear, and a heart to listen. <laughs> In your word, this day, through my voice, and bless the people that hear this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Chapter 3, Commentary, New Living Translation. Part of becoming mature is realizing that following our own desires only lead down a dead-end street. We remain infants as long as we demand our own way and are always divisive. We should examine our lives to see if this characterizes our relationship. If so, we need to confess our sins and ask God's help to grow up. And that's in verses 1 through 4. And that says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. And doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You are acting like people who don't know the Lord. Wow. And the next one is uh, verses 5 through 6. It says, Each person has a part to play in accomplishing God's work on earth. No one person is all important and no one is unimportant. We must beware of elevating some individuals and tearing down others who work together to do God's will. Our focus should be to elevate God and show respect for all those who do His work. We too should do our part, whether it is pleasing, watering, or harvesting, to accomplishing God's overall plan. And verses 5 to 6 says, Who is Apollo and who is Paul, that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants. Through us, God caused you to believe each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollo watered it. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. Amen. In verses 18 to 20, it says, It is possible for our intelligence to get in the way of our spiritual progress. As we analyze that God caused us to do, as we analyze what God calls us to do, we may find it somewhat foolish or demanding. Sometimes following God's plan will not make perfect sense to us. We might even find it embarrassing at times, regardless of how well we understand or how comfortable we feel. God's way is best. It's fine to try to understand, but we must do so with the intentions of following God's will, even if it doesn't make perfect sense to us. 18 to 20 says, 
Stop fooling yourself. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. For the wisdom of this world is foolish to God, as the scripture says. God catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are worthless. Huh. So the best bet for me is to always acknowledge the Lord. Lord, I need you today. Even though I have an idea of what I'm going to do, I still need to acknowledge and run my plans through God so they will go. Lord, thank you, Lord. Help me to give away the stuff I don't need, Lord God. We thank you, Father. A lot of Bibles, a lot of books you'll probably never read. And clothing, help me to give things away, Lord, for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to read the whole chapter. Chapter 3. It says, Paul and Apollos, servants of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. When, I, when one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I prefer Apollos, aren't you acting like those who are in, not Christians? Who is Apollo and who is Paul that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants through us God caused you to believe. Each of you did the work the Lord gave us, each of us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollo water it. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. The one who do the planting or watering aren't important. But God is important because he is the one who makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose, yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not us. Because of God's special favor in me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now, anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builders will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. <clears throat> Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? 
and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will bring ruin upon anyone who ruins his this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you Christians are that temple. Stop fooling yourself if you think you are wise by this world's standards. You will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. For the wisdom of this world is foolish to God, as the scripture says. God catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are worthless. So don't take pride in following a particular leader. Everything belongs to you, Paul and Apollos and Peter, and who and the whole world and life and death, the present and the future. Everything belongs to you. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. Again, so don't take pride in following a particular leader. Everything belongs to you, Paul and Apollos and Peter, the whole world and life and death, the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Interesting, interesting. If I may, I'd like to read that chapter in the uh, Passion Translation. Thank you. Would you please say, you may? <laughs> Let's see. Good old Passion Translation. I got to switch over back to English. On the U version, which is awesomeuversion.com. They allow you to test all the scriptures, all the Bibles there are out there, as you know. Where are we? Passion Translation. Here it is. First Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, a call to spiritual maturity. When I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings. Because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. For you are living your life dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourself, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your life centered on yourself. Dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. For when you divide yourself up in groups, as Paul group, as an Apollo group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollo really, or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants to whom you believe our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned us to do? I planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important. 
and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden. The house he is building, God has given me unique gifts as a skill master, builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards, for no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent, whether it has been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident for the day. It will make it clear because it will reveal by the blessing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. The church, that's God's inner sanctuary. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you? Now, if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy, and that is exactly who you are. True wisdom. So why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. For what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls become the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasoning of the wise and knows that it is all sham. Don't be proud of your alliance to any human leader, for actually you already have everything. It has all been given to your benefits. It has all been given for your benefit. Whether it is Paul or Apollos, Peter, the rock, or whether it is the world or life or death, or whether it is the present or future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. teaching we're going to be going over first corinthians chapter four but first of all we're going to read the commentary from the new living testament on these on this chapter and talk about it guess what they don't have one thing to say about chapter four (laughs) let me go ahead and read it let's see what we can gleam out of it as a team May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his crowns and give us peace. May he smile us, smile on us and look at us. For then we shall prosper and be in health, even as our enthusiasm grows. Amen. All right. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's secrets. 
Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. What about me? Haven't I been faithful? Well, it matters very little what you or anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgments on this point. My conscience is clear, but that isn't what matters. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord returns as to whether or not someone is faithful. When the Lord comes, he will bring our deepest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. And then God will give to everyone whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to the scriptures, you won't brag about one of your leaders as the expense of another. What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that does God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? You think you already have everything you need. You are already rich. Without us, you have become kings. I wish you really were on your thrones already, for then we would be ranging with you. But sometimes I think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become expectable to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you are so wise. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are well throughout, but we are laughed at. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty, without enough clothes to keep us warm. We have endured many beatings, and we have no homes of our own. We have worked rarely with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I ask you to follow my example and do as I do. That is the very reason I am sending Timothy to help you do this. For he is my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord. He will remind you of what I teach you about Christ Jesus in all the churches wherever I go. I know that some of you have become arrogant thinking I will never visit you again. But I will come and soon if the Lord will let me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people are just big talkers or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Choose I come with punishment and scolding. Should I come with punishment or scolding? Or should I come with quiet love and gentleness? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us all things to partake to life and godliness. Thank you for instructing us and teaching us in the way that we should go. Amen. One of the things that's important here is not to wear our feelings on our sleeve and not to be thanked. We're not going to be thanked 
people that don't serve the Lord are, we have to give them what God gives them. God gives them 100% forgiveness. Uh, their sins and, and their violations are going to uh, judge them themselves. You know, the curse is going to take care of them or their wrong they do. So don't worry about that. There's a justice system that comes and takes care of the people that are sinning uh, because and it's, and it's entirely different than a, a mercy system. A mercy system is when you ask God to forgive you and forgive you, you know, with, with a true heart. And there, you got a Costco card for the rest of your life. You have a 24-hour membership, lifetime membership, uh, that get out of jail free. And that's how we have to see others. The point I'm making is we got to give others the benefit of the doubt. If they, if they keep sinning against us, then shame on us for we know that there are... You know how they are. Why do we go in there for another wrestling and beating? Other than if we have uh, a tree of this contentment inside of us, then we we will go to uh, water it. So, you know, just bite your lip. Read more. Read more. You're not reading enough. You're not putting... We are not putting enough in the fuel tank to be powerful. If you read like Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. For then you shall have success and prosperity and things will go well with you. Amen. Now you're wondering why it doesn't go with us because we're not putting enough of God inside of us. God is in those words. You know, the more we put in in the beginning, the less we're going to need later on. And we're going to, I just thought about that. I'm putting in four, at least minimum four hours right now. And um, I just thought about that. I need to load it up right now. And then I'm going to get to a point where I'm running on, I just top the fuel tank, you know, with 20, 30 minutes and fired up the motor and go out there and have some fun. Because I was wondering when I'm going to, you know, go enjoy the outdoors and the ocean and the mountains and do some It'll come because I haven't done this, what I knew I should have done in a long time ago. All right, remember, don't judge or you'll be judged. Let go, let God. I will repay, said the Lord. Remember, they don't know what they do. Sometimes I don't know what I do, so I have to give myself the freedom to forgive myself, the freedom to say, Uncle, and just relax. And... Uh, Praise God for my derelictions. Okay, we do have something here on the New Living Translation that I just saw it on the corner. It says, um, verse 17, let me read that. It says, that is the very reason I am sending Timothy to help you do this. For he is my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord. He will remind you of what I teach about Christ Jesus in all the churches wherever I go. Paul sent Timothy to remind the Corinthian believers of what Paul had taught them. The apostle realized that they needed someone to hold them accountable to the truth they had been taught and to encourage them to persevere in their faith. One of the best ways to protect ourselves from sinful behavior is to be accountable to someone else, mentors and those who hold us accountable to obey God's word are there to help us. 
through remaining accountable to one another. Remaining accountable. We develop that kind of faithfulness that is essentially to spiritual growth. Through remaining accountable to one another, we develop the kind of faithfulness that is essential to spiritual growth. I'm faithful with you, and you're faithful with me, so we stay accountable and reading this stuff. I love you. Thank you for showing up, and let's do this thing. We only have one lifetime. Let's get into the readings. Get into the commitment. We are a family. We can do this. In Jesus' mighty name, be blessed. Colossians, the big picture. Colossians is a letter about the greatness of Christ. Since their conversion, the believers in Coloss had had heard many theories about salvation, all of which diminished Christ in some way. Some people had faith in angels, some in rituals, and others in various religious philosophies or practices. Practices. Paul wrote to correct them all. Christ is God in the flesh and the only one sufficient to save us from sins and its destructive power. In this letter, Paul includes some practical advice about the kind of lives that believers were to live. He called them to adhere to the truth, to live sexually pure lives, to live in peace with their friends and neighbors, and to live in dependence on God. Paul did not expect the Colossians to accomplish these things on their own. He emphasized the fact that when we seek to do God's will, we can depend on God's help. Our actions can be energized by the greatest power in the universe, the power of God in Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is easier when we lean on others, but ultimately God is the only one who can transform us completely. We need God's power to begin the process of healing and restoring our lives. The same power that made salvation possible is the power that makes our transformation possible. We can trust Christ to save us, and in Christ we have the power to live each day as it comes. This, the New Living Translation, Spiritual Renewal Bible from Tyndale. The theme is, spiritual renewal is a lifelong process. It is easy to long for a day when we will be totally free from the bondage of our past. A day when our transformation will be complete. But our spiritual growth is a lifelong process with daily challenges to stay in close relationship with our powerful and loving God. From this letter to the Colossians believers, we learn that our relationship with Christ is not just a one-time rescue operation, but a lifeline committed relationship. True spiritual renewal involves faith in God. One danger we face after a period of spiritual growth is our tendency to forget how much we need God. It is easy to start 
thinking we can go at it alone. Depending on rules or formulas for success, Paul warned the Colossians about this danger, urging them to live in daily contact and communication with God. It is true that with maturity comes strength of character, but it is not true that we can end our need for faith in God, for we always need His strength. Jesus is Lord of the universe. The entire universe has been held together by the power of Jesus Christ. He is the supreme ruler and Lord of all creation. He is the reflection of the invisible God. He is eternal, pre-existent, omnipotent, and equally with the Father. How incredible that he invites us to have a personal relationship with him. Amen. Greetings from Paul, chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother, Timothy. It is written to God's holy people in the city of Coloss, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Paul's Thanksgiving and Prayer. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all God's people. You do this because you are looking forward to the joys of heaven as you have been ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going to all of the over the world. It is changing lives everywhere, just as it changed yours that very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. Epaphras, our much-loved co-worker, was one who brought you the good news. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us in your place. He is the one who told us about the great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we continue praying for you ever since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And you will continue to do good, kind things for others. All the while you will learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God, holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom from with his blood and has forgiven our sins. Mm-hmm. 
reading for today is out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should dwell all the fullness. Jesus is the heir of all things. In the Old Testament, the term firstborn was a, a title given to the first child born into a family. The firstborn child was given a privileged position of superiority. Jesus was the firstborn of every creature. As the firstborn of every creature, Jesus existed before all creation. He was with God from the beginning. It was through him the universe was brought into existence. As firstborn, he held a position of superiority over all creation. As the firstborn of all creation, God appointed him heir, legal owner of all things, Hebrews 1-2. As legal heir of all things, Christ has the supreme place of power and authority in the universe. Jesus, who was with God in the beginning, who spoke the world into existence, who was one with God, stripped himself, lay aside his glory, his divine abilities, and came to earth in the form of human flesh. He was the only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a young virgin. An angel appeared to Mary and told her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Luke 1.35 The incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ was placed in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. The very life of God was in that incorruptible seed. Then, at that time, appointed by the Father, the only begotten Son of God was born. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, Galatians 4.4. 4. Jesus was sent by God into this world for a divine purpose. Jesus did not take it upon himself to come into the world. He was called and commissioned by God. Jesus came to earth knowing he was sent and knowing his calling, John 6.38. The eternal Son of God, the living word was made flesh and dwell among men, but man did not recognize him. They rejected him and his claims as being the Son of God. They accused Jesus of blasphemy, of having a devil, and of being crazy, John 10:20. Jesus knew who he was. He was not afraid of the opposition, the threats, the attempts to kill him. He continued to proclaim himself as the Son of God, the one sent by God into the world. 
On several occasions, the Jews tried to stone him, but he never wavered. In one particular occasion, as Jesus was walking on Solomon's porch in the temple, the Jews surrounded him. They asked him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. John 10, 24. Jesus had already proclaimed himself as the promised Messiah on several other occasions. He had told them, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. John 6, 51. At the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus proclaimed himself to be the water of life. He said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. John 7, 37. He had told them, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. He also said, Before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 58. As Jesus, the Son of God, was appointed heir, legal owner of all things, Hebrews 1, 2. You, as a son of God, are also an heir and legal owner of all things. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Galatians 4, 6 and 7. The word of the Lord. Verse 20 through 22 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled you in the body of the flesh through death to present your holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which we preach to every creature. Which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Amen and amen. The word of the Lord. Reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in the New Living Testament. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Glorify yourself in each and every word, Lord God, as we seek your word, Lord. We ask you to eliminate us and carry us on your shoulders that we may know you and the power of your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul condemns spiritual pride. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something so evil that even the pagans don't do it. I am told that you have a man in your church who is living in sin with his father's wife, and you are so proud of yourself. Why aren't you mourning and sorrow and shame, and why haven't you removed this man from your fellowship? Even though I am not there with you in person, I am with you in spirit concerning the one who has done this. 
I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are to call a meeting of the church, and I will be there in spirit. And the power of the Lord Jesus will be with you as you meet. Then you must cast this man out of the church and into Satan's hands, so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved when the Lord returns. How terrible that you should boast about your spirituality, and yet you let this sort of thing go on. Don't you realize that if even one person is allowed to go on sinning, soon all will be affected. Remove the wicked person from among you so that you can stay pure. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival not by eating the old bread or wickedness and evil, but by eating the new bread of purified and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy. You are swindlers or idol worshipers. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. What I mean that was that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be Christian, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships, or idols, or is abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly isn't your job to judge those inside the church who are sinning in these ways. God would judge those on the outside. But as the scripture says, you must remove the evil person from among you. Okay, the New Living Testament says, we face many of the same forms of sexual morality that the Corinthians church faced. Like the people of Corinth, we tend to put on blindfolds and tell ourselves that everything is all right. Ignoring problems associated with illicit sexual activity can build barriers between ourselves and others in time. We even grow distant from God, such as refusal to admit the truth allows the problems in our churches and community to fester until individuals and families are torn apart. We need to open the eyes to the problems around us and confront them together as a community, just as Paul advised the Corinthians to do so. Paul called the Corinthian believers to remove the unrepentant sinner from among their fellowship. If they didn't do so, their destructive activities will eat away at their church fellowship like a cancer. Notice that when Paul called the Corinthians to excommunicate this unrepentant sinner, he also reminded them to involve themselves in wholesome activities. Not only are we to disassociate with believers who refuse to repent of sin, we are to pull away from our own destructive activities and relationships. We need to involve ourselves in wholesome activities and build relationships with people who will encourage us with sincerity and truth. Paul warned his people to avoid close relationship with Christians who were refusing to see the truth about their sin, but he didn't mean they were to totally isolate themselves from unbelievers. They were still to share the good news with people who needed to hear the message we too need to reach out to unbelievers so that they can see Christ in us and repent of their sins. 
chapter 6. Chapter 6 says, Avoiding Lawsuits with Christians. When you have something against another Christian, why do you file a lawsuit? And ask the secular court to decide the matter instead of talking it over yourself. With Christian, Christians should decide who is right. Don't you know that someday Christians are going to judge the world? And since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide those little things among yourself? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge angels? Taking someone to court, as painful as it may be, is often the easy way out of a conflict. Instead of working out problems out, we take them to an impartial judge. Though this can be helpful at times, dealing with conflict in such an indirect way usually leads to separation others than reconciliation. Paul warned the Corinthian believers not to go to unbelieving judges to settle their disputes. If we claim to follow Christ, we need to try to resolve conflicts with other believers within the church whenever possible. We can do this through the help of the Holy Spirit. This way we testify to the world that in Christ true harmony can be found. Amen. And we go on right here, chapter 6, saying that to, to have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated, but instead you yourself are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your own Christian brothers and sisters. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have to share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who are idol worshippers, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusers, and swindlers, know of these, will have a share in the kingdom of God. There was a time when some of you were just like that, but now you... Your sins have been washed away and you have been set apart for good. You have been made right with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God have done for you. You may say, I am allowed to do anything, but reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.